You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you all here today. I want to invite you to get out your Bibles and follow along with me this morning. My name is David. If you're one of the folks that we might consider newer around the church and I haven't had the chance to meet you, or perhaps this is your very first day, I would love the opportunity to get to do that. Uh, Dave and I'll be out front in the lounge area. We'd love to answer any questions that you might have about why a church is meeting in a mall. We're here primarily to help you to find Jesus and begin to follow him. And in this series that we're in, it's actually part of a larger theme that we've been in for this last year since September. It's all about step forward. It's all about since the fact that we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And so each one of the themes that we've been in over these last several months have been about how do we continue to step forward in step with the Holy Spirit. In this specific one, we're talking about the issue of integrity. We're talking about those conditions of our heart that actually compromise our integrity. Last week, if you were with us, we talked about anger and how anger says, you owe me. And then in the coming weeks, we're going to talk about greed, which says, I owe me. And we're going to talk a couple of weeks from now all about the subject of guilt, I owe you. But today, we're going to talk about a subject that is not foreign to any of us. In fact, as we're going to look at this, we're going to be in the New Testament book of James. So if you do have a Bible, if you need a paper Bible, there are some in the chairs below you there. Always encourage you to follow along digitally in today's message piece there. You can click on the Mills site location and follow along in the notes. You can email yourself the notes afterwards to be able to follow along. But we're going to talk about something today that grips all of us at some time or another. And it actually does make our integrity weaker when we succumb to this. The theme verse for this particular series, let's put it up on the screen, it talks about the fact that people with integrity have firm footing. Those who follow crooked paths will slip and fall. And basically, as we're walking through this, these enemies of the heart, these four things that we're talking about, they cause us to slip and fall, and they compromise our integrity. Now, if you remember from your math class, integrity comes from the word integer, and remember what integer means? That is a whole number. For those of you who have tried to forget about math, that is all the math that I really actually know, so uh, that's about it. So uh, uh, integrity speaks to the fact that who you are in public is the same person that you are with a smaller group of friends, is the same person you might just be with your closest friend or your spouse or your intimate family, is the same person that you are when, it's, when you're all alone, when it's just you and your heavenly father. So we're talking about how do we keep in step with the spirit? Well, we've got to be people of integrity because if we're in full of integrity, then we'll be able to keep in step with the spirit. We won't slip and we won't fall And that's what we're looking at in this particular series. Now, the subject that we're going to look at today is something that has plagued Old Testament characters all the way thousands of years ago to New Testament characters. The early church struggled with it. There's numerous accounts where the early church was wrestling with it. I promise your family has struggled with it. You've struggled with it in your, uh, in school for students. You've struggled with it on sports teams. You've struggled with it in your family. Uh, You've struggled with it in your workplace. You've grappled with it and wrestled with it in your own personal life, as well as perhaps you've even talked to other people about it and the way that you've talked about it. 
shows that deep down inside that there's something going on that is not always healthy. We all struggle with this particular thing that we're going to look at, and that subject matter is jealousy or envy. We all have battled with it at some time. I am jealous. I am jealous of those who slept in later this morning and are coming to a later service. How many can I get some love on that one? Yes. I'm jealous because you have better hairdos than I do. You weigh less than I do. You're smarter than I am. You're faster than I am. You make more money than I do. I'm jealous because I see the vacations that you go on, that I wish that I could go on. I'm jealous because I don't drive the car that you drive or that I wish that I could drive. You see where I'm going with this. I'm jealous because I didn't make as good a grades as she did or as he did. We all struggle with envy. I'm jealous because I have 39 length sleeves. Nobody makes a 39 length sleeve. I'm jealous for those of you who have regular arms. Okay, these are like gorilla arms. In order to get them long enough, I gotta buy a beached whale shirt to get them long enough or you'll see me rolling them up. I'm jealous uh, because you get to go away on the weekends and I've gotta be here, but you're all not doing that this weekend, right? You're right here. You see where this goes. We're, we, we struggle with jealousy from everything from you know, the personality. Oh, I wish I had her personality. Oh, I wish I had his personality. I wish I had her looks. I wish I had those opportunities. I wish I had that relationship. I wish my kids were, were that way. I wish that I had that marriage instead of the one that I have. And you know what injects so much envy into our world? Something that we didn't have just years ago. Social media. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever just feel a little twinge of envy along the way when you see what somebody else is doing and you know that they've edited the photo? In fact, they probably weren't even in Cancun. They were just using a green screen, right? But you just look and you see and there's just a little bit of envy. There's a little twinge of that and that comparison trap that we all wrestle and struggle with. What is it that gives you a break from the jealousy that you feel toward others? Think about this for just a minute. Again, if this hasn't hit you this week, I'd be surprised. Somewhere along the way, oh, I wish. Oh, if I could only. Well, for me, and I'm guessing it's gonna be the same for you, it's when somebody else that I'm envious of or jealous of, what gives me a break from it is when they lose something. It's when that nice car that they're driving gets dinged up. It's when there's a little bit of damage. They've got the 17-bedroom house, and I see that it floods. Oh, that's just terrible. Am I, only, am I the only one? Or you, you know what I'm, Come on. And there's a little bit of that feeling that says, oh, I'm taking just a little bit of joy over the fact that somebody else has had pain or experienced loss. And it's ugly inside of us, is it not? Because here's the thing, it doesn't eradicate your pain, does it? It might alleviate it for just a little bit, 
But it damages you and it ultimately damages the people around you. In fact, envy and jealousy threaten every relationship that we have. Now, as I've said earlier, anger, as we learned last week, says you owe me. There's a debtor relationship. We're gonna look at greed, I owe me, and guilt, I owe you. What I wanna try to do today is convince you of what jealousy says. And it may not come naturally till you're right out of the gate and you may not think about it. And especially if you're a Christian, you may not feel like you can even have this thought, but perhaps deep, deep, deep down inside, when we think about envy and we think about jealousy and the condition of our heart and how it compromises our integrity, I wanna submit to you that envy and jealousy say, God owes me. Can I say that? Can I, you mean I can actually think that God owes me? Well, I'm not saying that's the right way to think about it. I'm saying that's what happens deep down inside when we enter that whole envy and jealousy realm. Now, I wanna illustrate this for you. I wanna be able to drive this home. How many Chick-fil-A lovers do we have in the house? Do we have some Chick-fil-A lovers? Okay, so keep your hands up. I need three volunteers to come up here on the platform. Now, now don't hang your, put your hands down. Get, you're in church, God's watching. Get your hands back up. Three volunteers, who will, they love Chick-fil-A. All right, come here, Laura. Who, I, need, I need a guy. I'll pick you out of the crowd if you don't. Okay, come on, Bob. <laughs> All right, and Alex. Okay, I've got my three volunteers. All right, can we give it up for these guys? All right, so how many of you have ever fell prey to the Sunday clothes of Chick-fil-A? Yes? One time, our family was on the road. We left Missouri, and we were driving back, and we got so excited because we saw a Chick-fil-A pulled in. God-forsaken place was closed. <laughs> and you gotta respect that, right? Because we used to do it that way, but not in our generation today. So you guys have a chance to enjoy some Chick-fil-A and beat the Sunday odds because Dave's gonna bring me three bags here that are gonna help us out. Oh yeah. Thank you so very much. My pleasure. My pleasure. <laughs> All right, so we got bag number one, bag number two, bag number three. We'll go with bag number one right here. We'll go bag number two right here and bag number three right over here. All right, so let's start with bag number one. Let's see what Alex gets in here. Oh yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, open it up. And you don't have to share that with anybody because we're not talking about greed today. <laughs> what do we got? Oh, chicken. chicken tenders, yes. Just warmed up in the oven. So they're ready to roll and you have permission to eat that while I'm preaching, all right? Now, there's something else inside there, I think, inside the bag. How many wish you were him right now? Mm -hmm. You got a bunch of best friends today. There's a gift card. So he's not only, cause see, yeah, give it up here. So, you know, you can't experience the full bun and the pickles, that would have gotten all soggy, but uh, we wanted you to have something a little more fresh. So, all right, so this is bag number one. Let's check out bag number two. What's in bag number two? Two chicken nuggets, all right? They're still Chick-fil-A 
but they're not as great as what he got, right? <laughs> How many of you'd rather, rather be bag number one? Let me, yeah, okay, all right. You're a little more disappointed with three. Okay, Bob, let's check out, see what you got in here. <laughs> and disappointment hits your life right there. <laughs> All right, so now we're in church and you would expect that, you know, I would have something in the back for them so they would all three be winners, right? That's what you would expect in church, but the truth is that's not gonna happen today. <laughs> so <you're laughs> so uh, here's the thing though. Think about your own life, and what you've experienced to this point in life people around you that you're looking at. Now, is, is Bob mad that Alex got chicken tenders and uh, uh, a gift certificate? Is he mad at Alex or is he really mad at me? Because who chose to give him the chicken? I knew which one it was and I intentionally chose to do that, okay? Now, is, you know, is Alex jealous of anybody? Nope, he's happy, he's good to go. For those of you that are listening to the podcast, you're jealous because you're not here and you didn't have a chance to get anything here. So you see what happens is, is we look and we say, well, I only got the two nuggets. Why didn't I get that? I could have given them, but I didn't. I gave them instead to this guy right here in the middle. This is how we relate when we look at other people and we're envious and we see their skills, their opportunities, their abilities, their gifts, their talents, their home, their relationships, their careers. And we look at them and we say, ultimately is the issue with the person or the people that we're jealous of or that we're envious of or is our ultimate issue with God? Can we give it up for these guys? Thank you very much for playing. Enjoy your chicken. Bob, maybe Alex will share with you. I don't doubt it. So what's God thinking? Does he overlook us? Does he skip over us throughout the course of our lives? If God, if you think about this, people look at God many times and they say, if, if God had taken as good a care of me as he's taking care of them, then I'd be like that. Then I could have that experience. And we suffer from this idea that God owes us and possibly, maybe it's true of you today, maybe it has been true of you in the past, that you might be holding a grudge against God. Because you might be looking at God and you might be saying, that's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair that she got to have that that I didn't. It's not fair that that relationship is better than mine. It's not fair. You put in the blank, you fill in the blank there. Newsflash for you this morning. God never promised to be fair. In fact, fairness went out at the Garden of Eden with sin. God is just, but he has never claimed to be fair. You won't find that anywhere in scripture. In fact, the truth is, if God were fair, he would not have sent Jesus and we'd die in our sin. But God has not claimed that 
So how are we supposed to handle this envy and this jealousy? That's what we're gonna walk through today. And James, the half-brother of Jesus, again, put yourself in the family of Jesus where you got perfect God Almighty as your brother. How many times would he have been jealous or envious of that relationship that Jesus had? But here's a guy who's learned and under the anointing of the Holy Spirit in James chapter four, he's gonna write us some things that will hopefully help us as we unpack this together. Ready to go? Here we go. Verse one, James four. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Your desires, that word for desires is really where we get our word hedonism from. It carries the idea of our pleasures, the unquenchable thirsts. What is it, whatever it is that you desire from stuff to things to experiences, whatever it might be, that desire is what James is talking about there. We all have appetites and we all have hungers that are never fully and finally satisfied. They're only temporarily quelled throughout the course of this life. Think about it. Stuff, money, recognition, success, status, progress, intimacy, sex, relationship, fun, partnership, all of those things. We never get enough of those things. We never get enough of those desires. We never get enough of those pleasures, those unquenchable thirsts that aren't necessarily bad, but we just want more and more and more. Because again, you eat the two chicken nuggets and you want more, don't you? You can't just eat one. You want 10, you want 30. And our desires and our pleasures are not dealt with best by continually trying to satisfy them, and looking to one another. That results ultimately in frustration. James goes on in verse two and he says, you want, in other words, you yearn for, you lust for, you strongly desire what you don't have. And I wanna invite you to think about the conflict that you've had in the last week or even maybe even the last month. <laughs> maybe it was today. In fact, a lot of times it probably could be today. Which service do you wanna to go to? I wanna to go to the nine, I wanna to go to the 11. You're, conf you're conflicted about that on the way to church. Think about the source of conflict, not just today or throughout this last week, but throughout the course of your life. The source of every piece of conflict, James says it right here, is we want something, but we don't get it. We can't have it our way, so what do we do? James says it this way in the rest of verse two. When we don't get our own way, he says, you scheme and you kill to get it. Interesting side note. Jot this down, you can look it up later on your own. Matthew 27, verse 18, just has a little side note here that right in the middle of all that's going on with Jesus being arrested, he's being sentenced, he's gonna be sentenced. Interesting note, Matthew takes a little bit of a parenthetical comment and he says this about the Jewish religious leaders, the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees that brought Jesus to him, says this, the religious leaders had arrested Jesus out of envy. They were envious of who Jesus was, what he represented, what he was doing, what he had, and they ultimately killed him because of this condition of the heart. Side note, you scheme and you kill to get it. You are, here's our word, help me out, you are jealous of what others have. In other words, you covet that word can mean hotly pursue. You strive after it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and you wage war 
to take it from them. Every fight, every quarrel that you have, whether that's in your home, with your kids, with your parents, with your friends, with your spouse, with the people that you work for, with the people that you work with, it comes down ultimately to we want our own way and we're not getting it. I was reading the book that we're using as a bit of a resource for this series by Andy Stanley. It's called The Enemies of the Heart. And in there, he tells a story about when he was growing up, when his kids were growing up in his home. And I thought, oh, I wish I had this when my kids were like, you know, newborn. I would have implemented this. When his kids would have a fight, when there would be an argument and there would be some kind of tension and he could see that one was wanting their way and the other was wanting their way and they were going at each other, they would, he and his wife would make them stop and repeat this phrase. You know what the problem is here? I'm not getting what I want. And the kids hated it. (laughs) Nobody wants to say that. But it's interesting that when that happens, when you confess that, when you acknowledge that and take responsibility for that, everything changes. The temperature comes down. The the overflowing frustration and anger comes down a bit. So we're going to practice that this morning. Do you know what the problem is here? I'm not getting what I want. So if you came with somebody, look at them. Don't look at me. Look at them. And let's say it together on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. Do you know what the problem is here? I'm not getting what I want. Oh, that was rough, wasn't it? Oh my goodness. Think about how this, you know, you and a coworker, you're just... You're going at it and you're going at it. Hey, you know what? The problem here is that I'm not getting what I want. Imagine the shock on your boss's face or on your employee's face if you were to say that. Imagine that. There are a whole group of kids outside this room that need to be taught that kind of language in your homes so that they could begin to take responsibility for this aspect of their lives. Owning the fact that we're not getting our own way is a game changer. Until we own our share of the problem, we're all going to have a tendency to blame somebody else. It's their problem. It's her problem. It's his issue. And blame, you know this, blame never resolves anything. It masks our heart condition. When we blame others, that just masks what's going on. And ultimately, it compromises our integrity. In fact, this quote from Andy, I loved it in the book. Blame is an admission that I can't be happy without your cooperation. To blame is to acknowledge dependence. If you don't act a certain way, then I can't be satisfied or content. And we spend our lives trying to squeeze our happiness and our contentment out of the people around us. And they do, it to us too. they do it to us too. And we're suffocating. If all I do is try to get Amy and Jenna and Josh to meet every single one of my needs and desires and wants and wishes, they were not made to be able to handle that. And what you do with your desires and your appetites is an enormous issue. So what is it? What do you do with those desires and those appetites that can actually never be fully and finally satisfied in this life? What do you do with them? Well, you're in church, so I'm going to tell you that Jesus is the answer. You take them to the one who gave them to you in the first place, and you lay them on him. Here's what James says. You want, or you don't have what you want 
Because. Why don't you have? Because you don't ask God for it. We don't get what we want because we're asking the wrong person. We're asking our spouse, our friend, our coworkers, our kids. The truth is, think about this. Can any of you make me handsomer, more handsome? Ladies, can your friends, can your spouse make you prettier? Can anybody else make you faster, smarter, healthier, taller, shorter, skinnier? Can anybody else actually do that? Yet we look to people all the time and try to wring that out of them because that's what we're looking for in our relationships. But the truth is that no one can satisfy those appetites and those desires that we have. Who created our appetites? Who gave us the desire to want to be wanted? Who gave us the desire to want to be needed, to be successful? Who puts that within us? It's God. God did that. So why should we expect others to be capable of satisfying things that only he is capable of satisfying? This isn't about asking God to change others so that we can get what we want. Done that, not very fruitful, right? God change him, God change him, God change her, God change her, God change them. And maybe for us, it's not just a person that we're envious of. Maybe it's a whole group of people. Maybe it's a whole class of people that we're jealous of. We look at them and we wish that we had what they have. But instead of all of that, God invites us to bring our deepest wants, our deepest desires, our deepest needs to our heavenly father. In fact, one of Jesus' first followers, the apostle Peter wrote this, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. You're supposed to cast every want, every wish, every dream, every disappointment, every frustration, every fear. Nothing is too big. Nothing is too small. Nothing is too important. If it's important to you, it's important to your heavenly father. Every issue in your marriage, in your career, with regard to your health, your kids, your finances, your parents, your education, your appearance, your health, dump it all on your heavenly father. And the truth is, is that once we've confessed that we're not getting what we want because we're not getting our own way, once we confess that that is the root issue of envy, the root issue of jealousy. And once we've thoroughly and completely cast all of our cares on him and we've acknowledged that we want those things ultimately from the one who gave them to us, then our relationships with each other will be so much more healthy. You won't be looking for validation from the amount of likes that you get or the amount of hearts that you get on social media. You won't be finding your fulfillment in those things. No, it'll come from something much deeper, so much richer. Regardless of whether the people around you ever give you the recognition or the love or the credit that you think you deserve, you can actually find peace in the middle of all of this because you're no longer looking to everybody else to meet the needs in your life that only God ultimately can meet. James goes on in verse three and he says, when you ask, you do not receive. So we don't even ask God, but then sometimes when we actually do ask, then we don't receive. Why? Because you ask with wrong motives. 
In other words, you're asking on your terms rather than on God's terms that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. We're to bring all of our desire, all of our wants, all of our wishes on God. But here's the truth. He may say no. He may say no. But aren't you glad that God hasn't given you everything that you've asked for over the course of your life? Many of our desires would have ruined us. Amy and I were driving past a house that about 16 or 17 years ago, we were just about ready to sign on. And long story short, God shut that door. Literally, I had the pen in my hand at the signing table to buy a house, and that all changed. And we look back on that, and we wanted that, and we wanted that, and we were putting that on those, all those you know, people that were working with us in the scenario there. But ultimately, God had a better plan, had a better situation for us that we couldn't see. And we look back on that and we said, man, how much different would life have been if God would have given us what we were whining about? And instead he said, no, because he had our best interest in mind. Think about the course of your own life over the times when you've wanted something, desired something, you would have pushed past anybody to get to what it was that you wanted. But ultimately God said, no, and you're better off for it today. God loves us too much to give us everything that we ask for. In fact, the scriptures teach us, we talk about this whole idea of jealousy. In a holy way, God is jealous for you. He wants nothing but the very best for you. And he has your best interests in mind. And truth is, he loves the people around you too much to give you everything that you want. Because some of the stuff that you want would cause discord with others. It would cause harm to others if he gave you your way. So God has the freedom and permission to say no. But he still wants us to ask and bring everything to him. Why? David, you say, you know, if there's no guarantee that God's going to give me what I want, what's the point? God wants you to know him as the source of all good things. Just like you want your kids to be able to come to you and talk to you about anything. Even though you might not always say yes, God is the same as a heavenly father for us. He's the source of all good things. And when he says no, he wants us to learn to trust him. God isn't going to finance our self-destructive tendencies and behaviors. He's not gonna finance our efforts to try to find meaning and purpose outside of him. God is the source of all good things, not all wished for things. But he still wants us to ask, to lean, to depend, to cry out upon him. And he wants us to learn to take no for an answer instead of taking matters into our own hands. That's not easy. I'm not saying that any of this is easy, but that's always the best option. James, earlier in that letter that he wrote in verse 17 of chapter one, he says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Because of that, that's why we take all of our wants, all of our dreams, all of our needs, our wishes to him. So are you going to continue to fulfill or to try to fulfill all your desires by wringing them out of all the people that you're here with today, and maybe some that aren't, or are you going to turn to your heavenly father and look to him 
as the one who will meet those things? Are you gonna take them to God? I can't do that for you. But here's what I'm learning. One leads to peace. The other leads to endless frustration. And if we don't face envy and we don't face jealousy head on, all that stuff that's within us, it'll lead to resentment. So I wanna encourage you to take all of this to God, to summarize it all, and be able to say, you know what, Lord? It's actually not him that I'm jealous of. It's actually not her that I'm envious. Ultimately, to sum all this up, God, I think you owe me. I think you could have done better by me. God, I think that you could have chosen to given me this life, but instead I've, I've got this life. And you wrestle with that and you struggle with that and you get that out and you cry through that and you journal through that and you ache through that. And then you embrace the truth of the gospel because the truth of the gospel is that God doesn't owe us anything. In fact, he's done everything for us and we owe him a debt that we can't repay. But he willingly sent Jesus to pay that debt so that we could walk in freedom so that our hearts could be full of integrity and we could lay this at his feet. We could wrestle it to the ground, let him heal us of it. Then we could put into practice the habit that will break greed, I mean, sorry, jealousy and envy in your life. I wanna give you a habit today that will help you to do that. Prior to that, though, let me just say, I think that you got to begin. How do you get over this whole envy? How do you get past this jealousy? Well, you talk to God about it first, but then you, you begin to embrace this. You know what? When I'm envious, when I'm jealous, could it be that I'm not really upset with her or him or them? I'm actually more frustrated about something that I'm blaming God for, that I need to work through that with him. That's going to help restore your integrity, maintain your integrity moving forward. Then you need to go and I triple dog dare you this week to confess to the person that you've been treating poorly to confess to them, I've been jealous of you. I'm envious of you. And watch the power of the envy and the jealousy begin to dissipate in your heart. Yeah, but that would require tremendous vulnerability and I would look really, really stupid. Get over that and get past that and watch the power of envy and jealousy be broken. I had to do that just a couple weeks ago. I had to look at somebody and say, you know what? I've been envious of you. I've been jealous of you. And oh, it was humbling. Oh, humbling, humbling. But so much freedom on the other side of that. You know what we're supposed to be known for as Jesus followers, the number one attribute that we're supposed to be known for? Jesus says, by this, all people will know that you belong to me if you have love for one another. And the verses that you've heard read hundreds of times in weddings throughout the course of your life, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we'll put it on the screen. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love, help me out, does not envy. Love does not envy So we gotta be able to confess that. We gotta be able to look at somebody in the eye and say, you know what? I've been envious of you. I've been jealous of you. I've actually realized it's not you that I have the major hang up with. 
I actually think that God owes me and I'm working through that with him because he doesn't owe me. But I kind of think that deep down inside. So I've been holding that against you. You confess that. You begin to get moved past that. And let me just say as a side note, notice too that love does not boast. So if someone comes to you and says, I've been envious and jealous, don't get a big head. Okay? That's the other side of that. But the habit that I want to give you today, the habit that will break the power of envy, that will begin to break the power of jealousy in your life, is the habit of celebration. In other words, when he gets the promotion and you think you deserve it, you go to him and you say, I'm happy for you. Congratulations. And that may be really hard for you. And you may not ultimately be fully, (laughs) genuinely, deep down inside happy. But if you want to stay free from envy and jealousy, you use your mouth and you publicly, as many times as it takes, you say, congratulations, I'm thrilled for you. Hey, so happy that you have such a great relationship. Hey, congrats, tell me all about your vacation. And that may take some time to be able to get there, but hey, I'd love to hear about that because that's how you begin to break the power of that. That's how you maintain your integrity and you steal your heart against envy and jealousy. You celebrate the success of others. You celebrate the size of their home, the car they drive, the stuff that they have. Anything that you are envious of in others, you celebrate that so you can begin to uh, kill that off in your life. You need to go out of your way to verbally express congratulations toward others. Is it really that simple? Start it, keep after it, and watch envy dissipate. Watch jealousy shrink. And if you have to, delete all of your social media accounts. Except stay in the Riverside Facebook group. (laughs) So who are you jealous of? What category of people are you jealous of? The past doesn't have to define you anymore. You've struggled with envy, you've battled with envy, but envy can be overcome. Jealousy can be thwarted. When you begin to take everything to your heavenly father, when you don't fall prey to the comparison trap, when you begin to confess it right away, hey, I I, I feel that, did you see that little monster? Envy started to creep up. And instead of letting those words come out that are harmful, instead you say, hey, Congratulations. I'm happy for you. I'm thrilled for you. That's awesome. That's a fantastic idea. That's going to change the revenue in our company. Wished I'd have thought of it, but hey, I'm really happy that you did. So let's celebrate that together and watch God by his Holy Spirit do some great work. Would you bow your hearts? Let me pray for you. Then we're going to worship. Heavenly Father, thank you for helping us to get to church today to hear what could be life-changing principles for us a message that would transform our lives. Father, our relationships, our friendships, our lives have been plagued by jealousy far too often. And even as we sit here today and we're seeking you in prayer, we feel the sting of embarrassment because God, we've allowed envy to find a place in our heart. It's compromised our integrity. And today we acknowledge that it's robbing us 
of healthy relationships. It's robbing us of joy and peace. And ultimately, God, it separates us from you. It's ugly. And we want victory over it. Would you please, God, forgive us for holding others responsible to fulfill roles that only you can meet in our lives. God, deep down inside, some of us, maybe all of us at some time or another, we're, we've bought into the lie that you owe us. But today, with your help, we long to step forward and embrace a new way of life. We'll begin, Father, to form a new habit designed to crush envy and jealousy that threatens our soul's well-being. We'll celebrate the success of others. We'll celebrate those around us. We'll cast all our care and all our anxiety on you because you've invited us to do just that. So Lord, would you please send your Holy Spirit to seal this work within us and please strengthen us with a steely resolve to make this more than just an emotional response on one day, but instead, God, a lifestyle of being committed, men and women who will love those around us and celebrate their successes. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray all of this. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.